0: it's great to meet you all. I'm Jesse, I am uh, the worship pastor at the Kingdom Vineyard, which is in St. Andrews in Central East Scotland, and um, as you can probably hear, that's not where I'm from. I'm from uh, West London, uh, where um, for a little while I was a member of Riverside Vineyard in West London, and I um, moved up to Scotland about 13 and a bit years ago never look back Uh, yeah so um, I've got some things uh, that I just want to share with you this afternoon I'll probably uh, chat to you for about and a half an hour 40 minutes and I really just invite you to um, to ask questions, but to hold those questions until the end. I'm going to leave loads of space at the end and, and just if, if there's something that sort of uh, is, is really burning and really need to ask, then just scribble it down and we'll have plenty of time to, to have a chat about that at the end. Um, I did have a sort of a PowerPoint, but it's not critical to the, there's a couple of entertaining moments, but I can't mm-hmm. get the projector to work, so uh, we'll just leave right, that out. I was going to show you some beautiful pictures of St. Andrews uh, just to make you jealous and to make you, and, and to make you want to visit us. Um, and uh, I also ha- had a picture in, uh, in that slideshow of uh, one of our number getting baptised. We baptised just off the... Uh, it, it's St Andrews is on the coast and uh, the, there are some ruins of a castle and a cathedral there. And just off to the side of that is this beach that we call Castle Sands where there is a, a seawater pool uh, that has been built and we baptize people in there, it's very very cold and we're due to do baptisms on Easter Sunday and the way this weather is going We've got eight or nine people already signed up to to, to get baptized, we're very excited about that. Uh, Yeah, the pastor's (laughs) looking for a Um, (laughs) wetsuit. But um, Yeah, uh, so I just want to tell you a little bit about my background so that you've got an idea of the context in which I minister um, and uh, and so that you know sort of what I've worked with in the past and what I'm working with now and, and, and hopefully there's something in that that you can connect with. Um, so Marie and I, my wife, uh, we got married about 20 years ago, it's our 20th anniversary this year. Uh, and as soon as we got married, we were living in a flat that was a little bit further away from the church in which we met, and we uh, decided we wanted to go somewhere more local. So we we left that church, and we were actually pretty exhausted. Um, I'd been involved in worship. She'd been involved in in kids' stuff. And she did do kids' stuff on Sunday morning. i do worship on Sunday evening. And then she had a job where she works Saturdays. So in the first sort of six months of our marriage we didn't really see much of each other and it was not a really good thing so we kind of decided to, to, to try and go somewhere more local to try and pull back on the ministry thing for a little while and um, we ended up just not going anywhere we ended up just enjoying our sunday lions too much and just that's turned into three years of not going anywhere basically um we were pretty burned out but then god told us in no uh unclear or uncertain terms uh, that we needed to get back into fellowship, and we ended up landing, landing at Riverside Vineyard, where the worship pastor there was a guy called Brian Duane. He'd been there since the early days of Riverside, when it was just planted, uh, when it was just one of three vineyards in the UK, the, one of the first vineyards in the UK, and um, <coughs> and Brian was the first paid member of staff of that team. Um, so he, he, knew, he knew what it was all about. I learned a lot from him about leading worship in a church plant, but... He saw me and he knew, He heard through the grapevine that I was a, a, a half decent guitarist and I um, really was chomping at a bit to get going and get involved in worship because I hadn't been in, involved for a little while. But he realized that I had been burned out in the past and he, he made what was an incredibly wise and incredibly <coughs> frustrating decision not to involve me in the first sort of six months to a year of my membership there. And um, It's because he saw what I failed to see in my own burnout that I was basically the the type of person who would just do the same thing all over again, just, just basically, uh, just not take care of myself, not take care of my time, and so. But he, in doing that with me, uh, he taught me something in practice, which I later learned uh, and heard expressed as a value, which is um, to to value and to, to love people above programs to um, to care for the people that are involved in our ministries more than we care for the ministries. Because the people are our ministries, they're our primary ministries. Um, so if you want an overarching principle for everything I'm about to say about building a healthy worship ministry, it's about people above programs. And eventually Brian let me get involved and it's great. Come on in. So sorry. Is uh, Brian, let me get involved, and lot. Um, I learned a lot from uh, Brian. Uh, I learned a lot about what I didn't want to be as a worship leader, as well as what I did. Uh, I didn't want to be a worship leader uh, who stamped his foot all the time. <laughs> 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 um, I love Brian. I miss him. He's. he's... Yeah. So. Marie and I were looking for reasons to leave London. At at some point, we were just tired of London. Don't believe what they say about being tired of life. If you're tired of London, we were just tired of London, and we wanted to see the back of it. And then Toby and Carol Foster, who were planting out of Riverside, we in St Andrews, said to me over whiskey on a boat on Loch Lomond at a wedding, "Do you you feel called to Scotland?" And I sort of thought, "Yeah, you know (laughs) what." Seduced basically uh, by by the, the beauty and the you know, sound of bagpipes wafting over the loch as, as as I was half cut on a uh, on a boat. Anyway, um, so yeah, I turned up there a year after they planted, and and I'm still there now. Um, we have a church that is at present and and since its inception. Um, about 60% university students. So St. Andrews is a town which is, the the life of which is dominated by the university. The university uh, consists, uh, uh, comprises about a third of the population of the town. It's not a big place. Um, And so we have this kind of tidal um, uh, movement of people in and out of our church um, on, on an annual basis, um, we used to call it Thin Church and Fat Church. Um, we now, to, to sound slightly less derogatory, we call it Core Church and More Church. Um, uh, but we, we, sort of, we sort of ebb and flow between 70 and 140 sort of people. But my worship team is, con- uh, is, is like the proportion is much more 5 and 95. So 95% students and 5% non-students. So when the students are out of town, basically, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a solo Jesse act. Um, and uh, that has its challenges, as well as those challenges are the challenges of, um, of just uh, just very, very rapid um, uh, turnover. So uh, freshers come, freshers Freshers join in, and if they join in in the first semester of first year, I get four good years out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't all do that, um, and that's only, that's only f- they're only there for about, I don't know, 60% of the year, so it's really just two and a bit years if you sort of add it all together. Um, but yeah, you get them just the way you like them, and then they leave, basically. <laughs> um, uh, so it's ch- that's that's a challenge. Um, And it's not the church we would have conceived of as ideal, but it's the church God has given us. And so uh, we've learned how to just, um, to not, um, to not be grumpy about that, and just to to learn how to just build with the materials that God has given us, uh, to build with. Um, Yeah, so... We say at the Kingdom Vineyard that we don't have a student ministry. We have ministry in which students are involved at every single level. Um, we have, in fact, the, the the row over there, the pretty people in the middle, um, are home group leaders, worship leaders, small group leaders, um, and they're all university students as well. So, um, you know, we we want to learn from them as much as we want them to learn from us. It's a, there's a, there's a, there's two way traffic there. So we don't have a student ministry. Um, Yeah, we, um, yeah, so there's a couple of things I just want to sort of say as kind of, uh, as well as people before programs, a a couple of overarching principles, I've got seven points that I want to share with you today. Seven being a number that I love because I, my, my sort of academic sort of uh, uh, fetish is for apocalyptic literature. And, uh, and so if it wasn't going to be seven points, it was... It, I couldn't fit it into three, so it had to be seven. And if I couldn't fit it into seven, it had to be 12. And if it couldn't be 12, it had to be 144. <laughs> and so I've, I've limited it to seven, the number of fullness and, and, uh, and completion. I just want to give you two health warnings. These are two things which, if you do not uh, tend to, will, uh, will will cause you to, um, at some point, uh, burn out or um, or really stumble and fall. The uh, first thing is this: is, is to not neglect your own personal spiritual formation. And this isn't going to be a seminar on your on spiritual formation, um, but I just want to recommend some of the books that. Some of the things that have been mentioned to you already, books like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, practices like The Daily Exam and things like that. Um, just keep short accounts with God, keep in touch with God. And what Dan was preaching this morning, oh my goodness, yeah, just find your identity in Him and not in, in, in the tasks of ministry. Um, and the second thing is what I've said already, love and value people above programs. I've learned that um, there are two ways of being of heading up ministry. There's one to, in terms of how we treat people. there's to see people as kind of fodder for our ministry machines. You know I, I see you and I want to know what you can do and how you're useful to me. Um, uh, but actually, what we've learned to do, and I'll talk about this more, uh, is is, Look for opportunities into which uh, we release people to try and actually sort of make sure that they're, um, they're pursuing the giftings that God is giving them. So we actually create our ministries, we design our ministries around the people that we have. Uh, so I'll talk about that a little bit more. But so don't neglect your own church formation, and don't uh, uh, value your programs but your people. Uh, point number one. And I would have these on a the screen, so you're just going to have to take notes. Um, build from your values outwards and not from form inwards. I've discovered in various different contexts that if you have the right amount of skills and the right amount of financial investment, you can make your worship ministry look however you want it to look and sound however you want it to sound. If you favour... Uh, big rock bands, or or or, or big gospel choirs, uh, or if you love big, uh, powerful lighting rigs with hazers and everything like that, or or you're more into smells and bells and and stained glass. Um, by the way, I want all of those things. I want a rock band and a gospel choir and lighting <laughs> rigs and stained glass. Um, uh, but. Uh, you, you know, we can do all of those things, but if you imitate the <coughs> form of, of those things, if you see something and you go, oh yeah, we really want to do that, but you don't know how they've got to that, how they've actually, um, how they've actually arrived at that, then what you're doing is, uh, is ending up something that's all style and no substance, what uh, Wimber called all sizzle and no steak. Um, so instead, the form should be an expression of our values. It should be something that, uh, that takes shape uh, from the things that we've decided are important to us, rather than just things that we find pleasing, that we just strive after for their own sake. Uh, just to kind of illustrate um, the futility of that other model, I have a friend who lives in North Korea, um, who, whose uh, husband works at the, embassy, the the British embassy there, and she showed me pictures of uh, Pyongyang, the capital of North Korea, and it was astonishing. Really, there were these massive, wide-open plazas with incredibly um, uh, gorgeous buildings. Um, the skyline was dominated by this <coughs> hotel that's like a spike, and. Um, and it looks absolutely amazing, but there's, there's something that the pictures don't tell, and that's that these buildings are not being used because they're not connected to the infrastructure. They're not connected to the waters, the water supply. They're not connected to the electricity. In terms of the hotel, or what, one, what was supposed to be a hotel, the massive spike on the skyline, that's not finished. It's got an elevator shaft inside it that's crooked. So it's completely unusable. Um, So this stuff is all for show basically. It's to basically say to the world, look at us, we have these incredible uh, buildings, we have these incredible uh, uh, wide open plazas with beautiful lush uh, vegetation and all that sort of thing. But what you don't see is that there's no life inside these buildings and there's no human activity on the plazas. And the reason the, the vegetation is lush, is because all the fresh water has gone into keeping those things beautiful, while all the resident population have to just drink whatever dirty water they can get their hands on. So the whole thing is just a it's it's just an illusion of something beautiful. But what happens if in buildings where people live and where people work is they get scuffed and they get dirty and they get messy because there's traffic and there's all that sort of thing. Something that is lived in doesn't look as pristine as that and I just think that that actually what we want is um, is life and not just the image of something beautiful. Um, So when Jesus criticizes the Pharisees for um, uh, for the way that they conduct their rituals He's not actually criticising their rituals. He's criticising the fact that they're doing all of the mechanics of worship, but they've not understood what they're for. What are the mechanics of worship for? How did, how did we get to this? Why do did, why did we do it this way? And there, there was no beaten heart inside their worship. So they've forgotten the values that once gave that worship its form, and we don't want to fall into that trap. So the values um, of vineyard worship um, are fivefold. I don't know if uh, if you guys are able to shout them out. Does anyone know them? Intimacy. Intimacy is a good one. Expectancy. <laughs> Kingdom expectation. Accessi- accessibility passion. passion passion integrity integrity yeah so these are all um, uh, just just like the the um, the beating heart that is behind uh, all of our worship in the vineyard and i think can explain why a vineyard still feels like a vineyard even though um worship might look or sound completely different depending on where you are. It's because we're all chasing after the same thing. We're all hungering after intimate encounter with Jesus. We're uh, we're striving hard to make sure there's no unnecessary um, barrier to people encountering Jesus. We're doing all of these things. Um, If you want to know more about those values, then um, uh, have a look at the new Vineyard Worship website. There's some brief Uh, sort of writing on them there Um, but I'd actually love to know if you have reflections on um, on what these values mean to you or how they express them how that bears out in your ministries I'd love to hear from you because um, I'm working on some training resources on those (laughs) values and um, I just want to I just want to hear from from people on the ground basically uh, so these are good things to contemplate. They are um, important things that are precious. Um, in the intensives that we've been doing, we've been having conversations about about um, values, and some people ask why why there are certain things that are not included in the values, and among those have been things like freedom or simplicity. They seem to they seem to sort of uh, be concepts that bring true love in your worship. Um, it's my opinion that those things are fruits and not roots of our worship. That if you value um, accessibility as a value, or if you hold that to, to be a, um, a core motivation for how you do worship, then I think you end up with a product that is simple. Um, you don't overcomplicate uh, your worship. In order to uh, allow everybody an, an on-ramp into what you're doing, um, I think that when we when we value the kingdom of God, and and we expect to see, um, and and we invite the Holy Spirit to be sovereign in our worship spaces, then we experience freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So so these are products of our worship um, that they're, they're not the the beating heart inside of them, even though they're an absolutely wonderful thing. Um, other people ask, if we, why, why don't we value excellence? And again, it's, a, it's all about the fact that we value the king of kings, and we want to bring him our very, very best, and so we, we value the kingdom of God, and so that causes us to bring our very best, our, ex, our most excellent thing to God. If you make things like excellence and simplicity your values, then um, I think what happens is you end up producing something quite different. Um, It won't be bad, especially if excellence is your value. I'd expect it to be very, very good. Um, But what what might happen is that it might fail to be intimate. It might fail to be accessible. And those are the things we really just want to fight for. So build from the values out, not from the form in. Second point is this. Be yourself. I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think it came up last night about comparison. Comparison is a really um, uh, toxic force that has um, inveigled its way into, uh, into our... Ministries, and it's a really poor metric for determining how we're doing as as, as worship ministers. Um, we're constantly judging what we're doing against something other, something out there, um, whether whether it's a church worship environment that we've experienced or that we've seen online or uh, or heard about, and we perceive it as better or even ideal. Um, and we say wow that's really really great I want to do that and um, instead I think we should be saying wow that's really really great but you know you do you and I'll do me Um, I'm not saying that we don't want to learn from other uh, streams we want to draw uh, influence from from wherever God inspires us But you have to then do the hard work of making it your own and seeing how going to how it works in your context. It doesn't necessarily, you know. Dan said this morning, uh, there's, you know, there's a context for everything, and you know sometimes uh, it, it doesn't translate that something that works over there is going to work really well where you are. Um, so. Yeah, and, and, um, and comparison with, um, with moments in, in your own history. You know, for example, you know, we've talked a lot about what happened at the worship retreat here last year, but we definitely don't want to see that as mm-hmm. a, a way to measure what God is going to do this year. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really unhelpful, unhealthy way of, of determining what does success look like? What does a successful worship retreat look like for us this year? To, to say, um, well, it wasn't. It, it, it didn't look like last year, so it's not as good. No, God's doing something different all of the time. So on Sundays, you know, sometimes you just have this these sweet moments, and 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 people just say, oh, I wish it could be like that every week. And then you, just, you basically then created, you know, whether, maybe maybe subconsciously you created a bar for yourself there. Like next week. It's got to be like it was this week. And then you try and sort of create this artifice of, of what was actually just a just a gift of God for that moment. And so you don't want to compare against those things. You just want to seek God in all that he's doing. Uh, I'm going to skip all of that. Yeah, and... You know what Dan said about identity earlier today. It's it's just so so important that we function and operate out of that core identity of of, of who we are in God, and the the kind of the negative flip side of that is that if we fail to do that, then um, And I've heard Dan say this in the past. It's actually a form of theft from the people of God because you are um, created to be a unique reflection of the image of God. We all have the image of God imprinted upon us, but we all uh, reflect that in different ways. The the way that a gemstone might just sort of refract and, and reflect the light in completely unique ways. And if we spend our entire lives imitating, rather than, uh, rather than functioning out of our core identity, then we are, um, we're essentially robbing the people of God of a gift that can only come through us, was only ever meant to be through us, through me. So I need to be me when I lead worship, and you need to be you when you lead worship. Whatever that looks like. In terms of um, band sound and dynamic, I've always uh, tried to work by um, inviting the band to just kind of uh, just contribute whatever it is that they want to contribute to a, to a musical arrangement, rather than me coming with an idea of what I want it to sound like. And then, and then trying to squeeze the personnel that I have with me in, in, into creating that sound, um, because I feel that what I've done by doing that is I've not offered any space to discover what is in those guys, what what is theirs to offer that I'm not giving space to see or to hear, because I've decided this is what I want it to sound like. So I might tweak I do tweak. Um, <laughs> you know I but, but I want to I want to tweak something that they brought. I, I want to say okay how do I take what you contribute and 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 turn this kind of motley arrangement of people into something that sounds like a a, a single organism. Does that sort of make sense? I kind of just tweak the music that way. So, uh, be yourself. Third point: Don't just recruit. Instead, release. Again, I, I said this before. This is not um, just about using people to, to, to uh, in, in order to um, provide a ministry. It's about using ministries as spaces to nurture and. Uh, and help grow people. Uh, We don't want to use people to build our ministries, basically, we want our ministries to build our people. And so we don't want to just fill gaps in our rotas. What we want to do is actually create gaps so that we can um, uh, provide opportunities into which people can then uh, be released. So sometimes I say to people, if I hear somebody with an absolutely beautiful singing voice, Uh, in the congregation I said have you ever thought about uh, joining the team and singing with us and I normally get the response oh do you need singers I didn't think you needed singers and I said I don't need singers (laughs) but I I think that you might need a, a space in which to use that gift that God has given you and and to explore that and see what that means in terms of how you're supposed to use that gift to bless other people. So, I then need to to find a way to get that person involved in worship ministry. I'm not going to wait until somebody else drops out. I'm just going to try and carve out some space for that person. Uh, now that's not to say that if somebody comes into our church and says, you know, I'm a, you know, you know I'm a really experienced bassist, and they're really humble with it, and that sort of thing. You know, if that was to happen, I. You know, will probably hear the heavens open and hear choir of angels singing <laughs> <Calvary>. <laughs> uh, You know, that's great. I, th- there are s- spaces that I would love to have filled. Um, but, you know, we're just more in the habit of in our church of just, uh, of just looking around and just saying, what do you need to be doing? What do you need to, how do you need to be serving? And we stop assessing people according to how useful they are for our ministries, and we start trying to find ways for people to move in those gifts. So you've got to do the whole up de manure thing. Do you know that? You come across that in the vineyard. Identify, recruit, brook. Repeat it for me. Identify, recruit. <laughs> Tree. Yeah. de. Boy. Boy. Mentor.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: no no chance. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a process of of basically looking around, saying, "Okay, uh, you know, what has God got for you? What has God got for you? What has God got for you?" And then bring them under your wing and sort of show them how you know, the sort of you watch me, and then I watch you do it, and then you do it, and, and so on. And you just basically do this process continuously of um, of trying to um, uh, just identify. Uh, people to be involved, but instead of that identification being on the basis of the gaps that you have to fill, you're trying to do. You're trying to identify what is the Holy Spirit calling that person into. So they're not just fuel for our ministry machines. Next point: seek and share vision. I was struck just by something Ellen Mumford said. Uh, wow, five years ago now. Uh, she said people people don't so much follow vision as follow people with vision and so um, they they don't just want an idea to follow they want a person that they can follow and so what that means is that um, you need you need to constantly be um, sort of reminding people why you're in it you know what why are you excited about getting up at a stupid clock on on, the, on Sunday morning to set up speakers and and, <laughs> and 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 do a rock concert? You know, it's like there's nobody else on the planet that gets excited about such such bizarre things. So, so just tell your story all the time. Just tell people what you're in it for. Um, sometimes it helps to have a vision statement or a mission statement. In the Kingdom Vineyard, we have. Oh, by the way, the Kingdom Vineyard, I forgot to say this. We call ourselves the Kingdom Vineyard not because we're like, so we got the kingdom, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, people thought we were being a bit snooty when, when we called it the Kingdom Vineyard, as, as though we were the only ones with the Holy Spirit. But um, the region we live in is called uh, the Kingdom of Five, and so it's just a kind of play on those words, We're just like, bringing the kingdom of God back to the kingdom of five. Um, but anyway, up in the Kingdom Vineyard, that was inside. <laughs> uh, at, at the Kingdom Vineyard, uh, Toby and Carol are pastors who have just retired and we've got new pastors now, but um, they, they use the strap line helping people make connections with God. And they stole that from Coventry Cathedral, I think, um, about 15 years ago. But that's served as a really useful metric for me. Uh, you know, is what I'm doing helping people make connections with God? Uh, so sometimes a vision statement helps people uh, sort of assess what they're doing and, con- and, and connect with the overall vision of the church as well. Um, but yeah, you do need to just sort of um, be able to articulate why it is that you're doing what you're doing. And that helps to just bring people with you. Yeah, I recently introduced a, a document. To, um, to my team and uh, it expresses some of the vision and values of, of the team, it expresses those five values of intimacy and integrity and so on and, and sort of talks about how we're going to get there and I initially introduced it in the form of a contract or I've called it a covenant you know to be a little bit more scriptural about it <laughs> um, and, um, and that didn't go down very well um, people did not appreciate being asked to to um, to sign a, a a document because it felt legalistic and all sorts of various various reasons. And I I went onto the Vineyard Facebook group for uh, Vineyard worship leaders, which you should all seek out. It's it's uh, very helpful sometimes. Um, and I said, look, guys. You know, sort of broadcast this question to the vineyard worship leading tribe around the world. Look, there's this thing, there's this document I've introduced, and I'm getting some gif about the signature thing. Uh, what do you all think? And basically, it, I just broke the internet for a little while. And, um, <laughs> um, and people who I deeply admire and respect and love just fell on two completely polar opposite sides of this argument and I realised this is a really divisive thing and I just, I wasn't so wedded to the idea of getting people's signatures on a bit of paper that I wanted to divide us so I kind of scrapped the signature thing but it's actually proved to be a really helpful document for some and um, if you want a look at it then uh, I'm happy to send, send it to you if it helps to um, communicate your your vision to you if you want to tweak it or anything like that. Next point, keep your platforms discreet. Hang on, what time is it? What time is this? Finish? 3.45? Yeah, Yeah, okay, cool. Keep platforms discreet. I, as part of a a theological degree, I looked at some church history where, I lived in, in, in late medieval churches, part of the architecture was this thing called a rude screen. I don't know if you've heard of a rude screen. Uh, rude is in R-double-O-D, which means cross, like holyrood. Um, but it, it's basically um, up at the top end of the, the cross. I had a picture, but um, <coughs> you know, the, the, a lot of these churches are, are, are laid out like a cross, and at the top, at the top end of the cross, there's this rood screen. And it's basically a a sort of um, structure beyond which the uh, clergy would carry out various rituals, such as the Eucharist, and the laity, the lay congregation, would be on the other side of it. And they could see what was happening. There were like holes in these screens. You could see what was happening on the other side of it, but you couldn't participate in it. And that... um, you know, at the Reformation where Martin Luther uh, was very much all about the, the ministry of all believers You know, like John Wimber talked about everybody gets to play, a uh, similar thing said this just won't do <laughs> uh, so uh, at the Reformation a lot of these rude screens were torn down but I'm of the opinion that that we're in danger in, in many contemporary worship settings of constructing rude screens um, in the sense that Um, there are elements of our um, environment that contribute to a a distinct us and them um, uh, distinction. And that can look like all sorts of things and sound like all sorts of things. It can sound like singing in impossible keys. It can sound like... It it, it can look like um, the the lighting that's set up so that... um, That the entire congregation is in darkness and and all the lights are on the stage, Mm -hmm. such that um, all the people on the stage can see is the lights, Mm -hmm. and all the people in the congregation can see are the people under the lights. And it just, I feel like these things are are modern equivalents of the root screen. And I'm not saying light's bad, I'm not saying um, don't sing in keys that are good for your voices, I am saying that. Because of the value of accessibility, and because of the values of, because of the, the concept of everybody gets to play, we want to work to mitigate any sense of division between we who are ministering and those to whom we are ministering. People have got various prophetic sessions that they need to go out for, and all that sort of things, so don't worry about people walking out. Unless you do actually think about her with her- heretic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, I just I just think we need to we need to just recognise that um, that that we're just we're all one big family and we all we're all trying to go on a journey together and 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 so we need to just try and uh, try and mitigate those senses of us and them. That's why I love the way we're, we're worshiping here. It's just it's just. It feels like, you know, this morning I was playing guitar and I could hear um, Sarah from Denmark as clearly as I could hear Ash, who was leading, and it was beautiful, I was just sort of in between um, the worship leader and a member of the congregation and I could hear both equally and it was wonderful, it was really beautiful to be in that space. i two more things to say. Keep it simple. Simplicity, as I said, is a product of our um, of our values. But um, but one of the things that um, that recorded worship music um, sort of makes us want is all the all the sort of beautiful stuff of sound, and uh, we can sometimes do that to the to to the detriment of more important parts of the music. And what I mean by that is that I think I do I tend to make a division between what are um, structural uh, parts of the the music and ornamental parts of the music. So you've got structural things that are sort of the simple things like uh, melody and rhythm, and then you've got ornamental things, which are uh, harmony, essentially, and, um, and, and other things, you know, uh, electric guitars, volume swells, and Nord keyboards with, you know, beautiful, you know, sort of draw bars all up and all that kind of thing. It's, it's beautiful, and I want those things, but I don't want them at the expense of the structural elements. I don't want them at the expense of a, a worship leader um, just sort of not giving a clear indication of when we start singing and things like that so so these are important things so uh, simplicity and then last thing i just want to encourage everybody just to to really reconnect with with worship as a as a fundamentally good thing of itself like i love i've been living in this story in uh, the gospels for about three months now. I keep trying to study other bits of the Bible, but God keeps drawing me back to this story of Mary pouring out nard, the, the, the expensive perfume onto Jesus' feet. And everybody complains, all the disciples complain, that this money could have, this could have been used to, to, to ease the burden of the poor. And Jesus is like, you can do that any time you want, but I'm here, and it's good that Mary did this, because I'm basically, worthy of this. I'm, I'm worthy of this worship. And so we shouldn't feel as though we constantly need to make excuses for the fact that we love to worship. We shouldn't feel as though we constantly need to make excuses for the money that we pour out in our in investing in our uh, skills, in our equipment uh, and the time and resources that we put into practice and songwriting and creativity and all that sort of thing. Um, this, the, the two things that I love most about that story of, of Mary is that it proves that worship, when it's done right, is isn't cheap, and it isn't clean. It's messy. I, I'm like, I'm not just like, that was really, really expensive perfume that could have fed the poor. Um, I'm also like, who the heck is going to clean that mess up? Um, and it probably stank the whole place out as well. So, um, I love that Jesus defends her and says it's a good thing she does Um, and not only that he says in one of the gospels he says um, and what she has done will be told wherever the gospel is proclaimed and so this story of extravagant worship of pouring out her most precious possession at the feet of jesus um, is a story which jesus says belongs with the gospel so this whole worship thing this whole extravagant, give it all to God, just, just, just recklessly pour it all out before God. This is what the gospel is. This is this is part of the gospel that Jesus restores us. He 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 saves us from something, but he also saves us for something. So he saves us for worship, and he saves us so that we can be uh, restored to the thing that we were made for, which is worship. So just want to encourage you in those seven things build from your vision, uh, build from your values out not from your form in uh, I, I've got to try and remember them now <laughs> somebody read them out to me um, yeah keep it simple uh, don't recruit, release um, share and seek and share your vision um, and the other things that I said. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Guys, we've got just under half an hour. I would love to just answer any questions that you might have. And by the way, my team over there—if I lied about anything, you need to pick me up on it as well. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: So you talk about people about programs? And <clears> it's great. Um, how, so if you have a, um, a um, someone who's uh, the skill level is not, not great. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and you no, know, they really have a great heart. The character is there. Competency is not. What do you do? And how do you? And how do you, How do you admit them and induct them to? The, uh, and what if they cannot after maybe even a year or a year and a half, and they still don't make the progress to those competencies? What do you do? do? and if, if I mean apart from a small group setting, where okay, yeah, why not lead there or play there? You know, Sunday, you know, mm. kind of mm. set up. How do you, how do you manage
0: it? Yeah, I think, um, I think it often depends on the ex- the extent to which um, what they're carrying is um, is. Uh, what am I trying to say? I think there's a certain sort of level of technical competence that I would expect of somebody um, that is in a position of leadership that needs to needs to be able to signpost where we're going, and so um, uh, and so if yeah, so i I'd, I'd, I'd hesitate to put somebody um without that competence in a position of leadership but there's no, but there are other ways of getting involved other than leadership there's you know there's other ways to contribute to worship and so I think where, where people are really sort of struggling I think it's great it's really important to involve involve them but not in a way that too much responsibility too much burden of responsibility rests on that person but where they have an opportunity to just kind of try things out and, and make mistakes, but <clears throat> won't cause the whole building to, to kind of collapse. Yeah. Um, I've got, um, yeah, just, just, you know, where, where, there are, where there are people who, for example, uh, aren't particularly strong guitarists, but I want to have them involved, um, I won't make them the main guitarist. I'll put somebody who's a little bit more comfortable, uh, and put that person sort of, and and hopefully I would, I would hope that in that environment there might be a bit of conversation and a bit of, sort of mentoring going on as well. Um, but yeah, I I would rather have somebody in my team who is a novice musician and passionate about worship. Than somebody who is a virtuoso musician and just doesn't particularly want to be there, or just feels entitled you know, to be there because of their skills or something like that. I, I can work with I can work with the teachable novice more than I can work with the uh, the, the um, arrogant virtuoso. Oh, but if it's humble virtuoso, that's it. Like I, 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 I want the humble virtuoso. That's my idea. That's my idea. So, yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. So link to that, Jesse. Like, uh, As churches sort of grow, you know, often the sort of size of the worship band grows and the mm. standard that, you know, you want to project on a Sunday goes up. How, how have you kind of gone about increasing sort of commitment levels? You know, because when there's like 50 people, perhaps it's not so critical how if people come to rehearsals and how, you know, how much commitment there is in that. But I guess we're, we're at a stage where we're looking to sort of. Raise the bar a bit and ask people to kind of invest a bit more in terms mm. of the time they put in and their equipment and that kind of stuff. Mm. Ha- have you got any advice on that? Yeah, I think um, I think that I've stopped trying to do that directly. I've stopped trying to get people to buy in uh, just by saying buy in. Yeah. Um, I've, I've rather than that, I've just, I've, as, I, as I said, just just tried to get them to buy into me. And, and try to get them to um, to buy into what we're doing um, and I think that the, uh, the byproduct of that is, is is just a desire on everybody's part to, to, to invest more um, I, I think that by by going uh, direct for the end product, which is you know, uh, work harder and and, <laughs> and be better, <laughs> um, I, I I find that um, I, I lose people that way, and and I and I just I've just become that guy who's who's always on at people about doing more and getting better, um, and so um, i I'd, I'd rather I'd rather that sort of welled up from their desire to see their, desir, their love for what we're doing as worship ministers um, uh, so, so that they really own that mission for themselves and just want to give it their everything um, so yeah it's just, it's just something that I don't think I have so, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still working these things out. um, And and one of the ways in which I've I've been doing that recently is to do this to create this vision and values document and really just to say, look, this is what this is what we're going for, guys. And I need you to to want what I want. And and that way, I kind of feel like uh, we'll all sort of push harder in the same direction rather than just me saying, okay. I need you to do X, and I need you to do Y, and so so that I can then sort of create this um, this end product that I have already designed in my own mind. I just, yeah, so just trying to get people's hearts invested in what we're doing. Yeah. So, good question. Any other questions? Yeah. Can I
1: ask about um, how you get new people involved in the team. So our, we're very bad at it. I think in the last year we have. One new person on the chair, on the team.
0: Um, <laughs> Lizzie, how do I get new people involved in the
1: team? <laughs> um, well, you have some people like me who message you before they come to university, being like, "So I've done a little bit of this before. Is there a possibility of doing this?" And you reply with, "Hell yes!" <laughs> 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 um, but no. So, um, so Jesse, um, in my first term at university, um, kind of wanted to kind of see what kind of experience I had as a worship and doing worship stuff. So he um he met up with me for coffee. Um, coffee dates is a massive thing as an Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um yeah just kind of like chatted through the kind of experience I've had before um and and kind of what I hoped what I hoped to do where I might fit in what they do already. Um, so that, that was just incredible to be part of a church who who kind of like want to invest best in you from the get-go because um, like, I don't actually come from a vineyard church background I'm, I come from an Anglican church background and it's can be often very different um, so that yeah that was so encouraging to have someone who's kind of like we would love to have you so yeah yeah I,
0: I, I just want um yeah one of the I mean there's different driving forces. There's there's I, I wanna see everybody sort of just doing what God has for them. The the, the other thing is that obviously I have I hemorrhage team every year, you know, it's just <laughs> I lose people every year and um and it's just you know, I, I then I, as 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 a new sort of wave of people come in, I just I just want to find quickly, what are you about, you know, what what is, what are you, you and and where do you need to be serving. Um, But uh, I also, I I don't hang around much, I I don't, um, certainly with university students I don't have time to hang around, Um, uh, so I try and get people involved quickly, and. I normally initially put them in the same sorts of positions as I was describing earlier, where they're not the maid, they're not the sort of, um, they don't have to bear a lot of the weight um, of what we're doing. Uh, so you put them in support roles so that you can sort of hear, hear what they're like and and, and what they contribute. Um, I ask my team just to be on the to to be looking and listening for for people to get involved, just as I'm looking and listening for people to involve. So, you know, twenty sets of eyes and ears is much better than one. And so, I I depend on people coming and saying, "Oh, this person really loves um, mixing audio," or "This person uh, is an absolutely amazing bassoonist," or yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have had some unusual combinations of instruments in the in, in the Kingdom of um, England. So yeah, just um, creating uh, spaces like uh, worship circles. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that, but um, some people call them just worship jams or things yeah. like that. Just so sort of get your um, get your core team in a room just to sort of bash through songs really informally and just invite everybody in the church who, who, who can, <clears throat> who wants to just either just be in that environment where worship is happening, but, uh, or, or have any kind of instrument whatsoever. We have people coming along with their ukuleles, or with their little, um, uh, what do you call the melodica? you know, they're going you blinds here with a little keyboard. I mean, we, people just coming and they're just, you know, making absolutely beautiful noise and that sort of thing. And and that's, that's really relaxed. That's not like a sort of audition space. It's just a come and worship sort of space. But through that, sometimes people have um, sort of surfaced that I've noticed. Oh, you know, you, you actually... Um, you told me you weren't very good and that you, you didn't want to be involved, but I saw you light up, you know, when you, when you came and you played your ukulele. And so, I need you to be in my team playing your ukulele. <laughs> so, yeah, just different, different ways, but mainly just um, being open to, uh, just constantly being open to the possibility of new, new, new people, even when you don't think you need them.
2: Any other questions? Um, Well, almost the reverse of that. So Trent, it's quite a large church and there's probably too many people um, to fit, to 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 lead worship or to do worship. So every month there's a different band. So Mm. there's like four bands and they do do the worship jam um, but there's there's just a lot more people for the avenues to worship.
0: Mm. So Mm.
2: I guess my
1: question is what's your response to that?
0: Yeah, I mean there are things you can do such as I mean really invest in worship in in all your ministry areas so um, so make sure that there are if if you've got like the potential to create multiple brilliant bands then then you know just just make sure that you know your youth and your kids have like the absolute best that you can uh, that you can put in those spaces. Um, I think there are also um, you know things you can do like song songwriting. You know, sort of gather people to just sort of try and be creative together and just sort of see how they can serve the vision of the whole church just by um, by maybe just sort of being a being a greenhouse for for creative sort of songwriting and stuff like that. But yeah, it's difficult. I guess I guess it would be a question for um, for folk like John and Debbie how they would um, you know, sort of create connection points for people who need to be serving in that sort of way and how, how, how there are avenues into that. But it's not a problem we have at the Kingdom Vineyard. So. <laughs> I wish it were. But, uh,
2: With someone, I recently took on a role of uh, worship leaders. Leaders, it's a small small church. We only have three worship teams, so Mm -hmm. that was going to be easy, but it's not. Uh, (laughs) Particularly this one guy. You know, we love we love him. He's quite new in the faith. Mm. Well, he's he's really passionate about Jesus worship. He's excellent musician, part. He hasn't got a background, and uh, Mm -hmm. hasn't I feel? it's important to keep our in your values and we're mm. trying to, to do 50% in songs in our church. Mm. Not want to pressurize anyone, but it's a small, only small church, and we thought, sure. it's going to be easy. Sure. We gave them a whole songs, especially because he was new worship leading, and he's um, it, kind of not listening to us mm. because every time you he know, puts yeah. the song up, and there's not been a song, so I'm sorry, Dave, can you please? Mm. And we feel like, what should we do with him? I mean, should we just keep telling him to all? Uh, I really don't know, because some of the songs, well, we also stress the fact that you cannot do new songs like right. this right. all the time, because obviously, it's not good for the church. And, and then, mm. you know, we, we sort of, we did a few worship meetings, and we plan to do some more, but sometimes we wonder, how do we approach him, mm-hmm.
0: because you know, we, obviously we don't want to be sort of, <laughs> but honestly so the
2: same yeah. time, we have to have the same, we have to be on the same path
0: and mm-hmm. don't and, and, uh. know. Uh, yeah, that sounds difficult, I mean, I, there's a couple of things there, one is, one is that, you know, you do constantly want to be sharing, you know, why, why is it important to you to do things a certain way? Um, you know, and and there are very good reasons for um, for, as you say, wanting to do to do vineyard songs, but sometimes sometimes that puts people's um, sometimes people hear that the wrong way and think that we're being you know yeah. sort of territorial or something yeah. like that. Um, but the the truth is is that we um, we just know that um, we have these values and we want to. Uh, we want our songs to be expressions of those values, and that doesn't necessarily mean that um, there aren't songs from other movements that, no, uh, that that don't express those values. But it does mean that if you pick a Indian song, you know they are going to express those exactly. values. And it's and, a hard thing
2: to do. Too, yeah,
0: um, but it sounds to me like you've also got a problem of uh, an unteachable spirit. i And that doesn't yeah. always, you, you know. You, you can explain 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 and if they're still gonna just do things their way and not your way that's kind of just a problem that doesn't limit itself to being a problem for worship it limits them yeah. it's, it's a problem with that person yeah. and, and sometimes um,
2: yeah. It's difficult because being the church small and not having so many, we, sort of, we don't obviously, you know, we love it. and don't want to lose it, but yeah, 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 exactly. at the same time, it's yeah. difficult because yet it is not sort of well. At the end of the day, we we are yeah. coordinating. We know yeah. what we're doing, so I think it's just yeah. <laughs> we say things and then we're oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so
0: it's I
2: mean, yeah. It's,
0: it, it it sounds it sounds like a, more of an issue of. Uh, sort of teachability and humility oh. one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tricky. I don't envy.
2: <laughs> I um, I I used to be that person. Oh,
0: what's about yeah. my m- 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 Confession time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no, God sorted out. So, oh, good. Yeah, so I hope. <laughs> <time. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> I took me down a few
0: bags yeah, yeah I, 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 don't, I don't think you can persuade somebody um, who responds to you in, in that way. Um, it, ha- it's more a question of character than it is of, of, um, of, of winning, of, 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 convincing them of what you're about, and so, <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. Can,
2: can, yes. I, can I ask? If you don't mind. Yeah. No. No, the other lady. Like, why were you that person in the sense of... Because understanding why somebody's that way might help. So why were you that person? If you don't mind me asking. If, you, if it's too... So I can work it out. <laughs> um, so I think... So I grew up in church.
1: So I've always kind of known what it's about and how it works and how things... Um, go, when how they can be me, yeah. good, but also as a singer, as a professional singer as well.
2: This is something important because he, he used to be a more silly, sure. professional sure. singer. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, no. And so there was... <laughs> there was... So
2: when I
1: say about God sort of sorting me out, mm. it very... There was a very fine line about when it was about God and when it was about me, and that's very much the thing that sort of had to get twisted around, and my heart had to get readjusted. And that's really yeah okay yeah. It's it's more praise that than way. way. <laughs> but,
0: um, I think that's that's really important. Really honest with you. Yeah. To so well, that. again. Can, can I can sort of add, add to that? I I find sometimes that if you get. Um, Sometimes that sort of misplaced agenda kind of thing uh, manifests in different ways as well. Sometimes I find it manifest in in musicians who overplay um, and who aren't really sensitive to the context, but but just want to sort of do all the stuff, you know, get all their chops out, basically. Uh, Do all the licks, do all the, you know, just sort of demonstrate... That sort of sweet picking, whammy bar dive thing that they went—whether it's appropriate or (laughs) uh, uh, not—because they can. And I think my, my, I think that tends to be a symptom of somebody who is incredibly skilled, but hasn't uh, been seeking opportunities outside of the worship context in which to, to use as an outlet for that for that skill and that talent um, so you were, you might want to encourage that person to get involved in the local cultural scene you know to and and to, and to remind them that this is not a gig yeah. uh, this is um, this is uh, this is something completely different but here you serve and yeah. um and, yeah. and 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 one and you're responsible for the ministry they serve you yeah. Uh, they serve your vision and where they're not serving your vision or um, well, they're serving their their own and and that just needs to be that needs to be Currently. called out yeah, and, yeah. so, yeah. so there was a question at the back and then I'll yeah um,
1: we're very at Sheffield we're very similar to St Andrew's it sounds like we are predominantly students right, right. Um, and I just could you explain sort of the rationale behind and the length of time that you leave it before getting a student on board, because obviously university culture, drinking, sex, how do you find out what someone's character is without leaving it too long? Because we tend to get students on board maybe after Christmas, but with right. three years degrees, yeah. they're gone yeah. very soon and we have a really high turnover. How? What's your rationale behind the length of time? You
0: know, time? I mean, the, the thing about the culture and character thing is you only ever really know what a person says they're doing, and you have to kind of, you know, use the discernment that the Holy Spirit <laughs> gives you that that's the true thing. Um, it doesn't matter if they're a university student or anybody else. They you know, if, if you know if they tell you that they're living, you know, sort of chaste uh, lives, you you pretty much have to just take them at their word. And um, and so I don't, I, I I certainly I certainly don't go out. Um, you know, sort of making sure they're all tucked in at night. <laughs> um, uh, but 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 really, it's it's just um, you know I, I try to run with the runners. I try to I try to just sort of um, see who's excited about serving, who's really into this, and um, and and I just want to strike while the iron is hot and um, and inevitably, and I have had character issues in teams, uh, uh, um, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. You know, uh, mental health problems, problems of personal discipline, person, personal hygiene, You, you know, uh, I mean, all of these all of these things come up when you get a lot of, <laughs> when you get a, a, a lot of uh, uh, students involved in you. <laughs> um, and mental health issues and and, and and all of that sort of thing. Um, it's just church, isn't it? It's it's we're in the business of of just um, discipling one another and 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 I don't want you know we're a come as you are, don't stay as you are, movement, and that works for my worship team as well. So. Um, yeah it's it's one environment one of many environments in the church in which discipleship is happening it's not like okay you make the grade you get in you know you, you get into the team i'm so sorry we're out of time but just squeeze one more question and you had a question yeah just quickly actually about your question oh. um because yeah. i was going to ask um you
1: know i've had a pastor a a pastor come to um to our church and um, and say to me after, you know, worship session, say, um, you know, you were leading that song with an American accent and you shouldn't do that, huh. and, you know, stuff, and you were saying God instead of God and stuff like that. But, you know, I was just asking a question related to that because that reminded me. Um, could it be that you know, it's a it's a little bit constricting and there's a lot of control? It's a question for you to ask yourself anyway. No, I'm not mm-hmm. to. Well, yeah. the opposite, actually. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, you know, some people rebel against stuff like that. No, it's actually, no, it's
2: very, very... Yeah. We're very flexible, very, very easy going yeah. And in fact, last time, you know, we didn't even say anything because, of, okay, <laughs> we're not going to say anything <laughs> this time. But obviously, it's an issue because you know we have these values, and being the values, and at the end of the day, we are being the Church, so we want to stick to the values. Yeah. And again, yeah. The, as you said, beautiful song there, yeah. you know, and so you put. Per- I don't think that is the, you know, the yeah. problem there.
1: So um, did you have to switch your accents then?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what did uh, you do?
1: Actually, um... What did you tell them? I, I actually called him out and said, you know,
0: it's, to me, you know, I'm just being, being natural, you know. Um, you know, in Sting Sings, he sounds Jamaican. It's from Newcastle. <laughs> 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 what's, what's that about? What's that? Uh, yeah. Well, I have an Italian accent. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was funny, but, um... But yeah, I think yeah, he, he must have had something against Americans or something. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, uh, we're out of time. I really hope that there's just at least something that you have that you can sort of take away with you that will, that will sort of serve your, your ministry and where you are in your churches. I, um, I just feel like um, what God is really encouraging us in, in this season as a movement is... It's just expressions of, of, um, of faithfulness and expressions of faithful uh, uh, and um, authentic worship, where we are and what we're doing. And I think this is just all about trying to trying to really just love what we have and work with what we have and, and, and work with the people that we have rather than just trying to have some sort of... Um, gold standard that we're trying to attain to and then trying to press people into that vision so love your people love god and thank you so much